This podcast is for investment professionals only. The Challenge of Sustainable Investing in Sovereign Debt Written by Martin Dropkin, Head of Research, Fixed Income Jan Berthold, Sovereign Analyst and George Watson, Investment Writer And read by me, George Watson This article was first published April 2019 Sustainable investing is never straightforward. Opinion differs on the best way to do good with your money. However, one asset class stands out as particularly difficult. Sovereign bonds. It's a world away from companies. Investors are much more familiar with, and vocal advocates of, corporate sustainability. Environmental issues grab the headlines, but governance and the impact of business practices on the wider society are also receiving more attention from asset owners. The relationship between a company and the investors who provide it with capital is clearly defined. Holders of company equity can take the ultimate step in engagement, shareholder voting. Even corporate bond investors enjoy regular access to senior management and a reasonable level of influence over sustainable goals. But for investors in sovereign bonds, the situation is far from straightforward. While companies act in a world where the lines between right and wrong, or at least what is legal and illegal, are relatively clear, sovereign states can define their own rules. A government's approach to issues such as corruption, pollution and human rights might fall short of international standards, yet still be legal or even state-sponsored by the issuing country. So simply taking the model used for corporate engagement and applying it to governments will not work. The challenges facing sovereign bond investors. Firstly, multiple parties with conflicting demands interact with government policy makers, including industry, trade unions, non-governmental organisations and of course the electorate. Bond investors can find themselves lower down the priority list. Furthermore, it is not always clear where power resides. Each country has its own formal and informal process for making policy decisions. Would-be engagers must navigate the corridors of power to find the appropriate ear to bend. Companies, on the other hand, have defined power hierarchies and clear reasons for issuing debt, making engagement more straightforward. Then there is the question of how much influence investor might hold. It's not often very much. A significant proportion of the holders of sovereign debt, such as central banks, foreign governments and domestic institutional investors, are insensitive buyers. Whether for regulatory reasons or other obligations, these parties buy sovereign debt regardless, reducing their incentive to engage compared to discretionary investors. Even discretionary investors may not equally share an interest in sustainable issues. This lack of alignment among sovereign bond investors means that those who do wish to raise issues often have little clout. One obvious way to mitigate this would be for discretionary investors to group together to raise pre-agreed issues. However, even this is harder than it sounds, as asset managers have a responsibility to execute their clients' mandates, which have a range of priorities and sustainability goals. Election cycles too pose problems for engagement. Even though CEOs can change from time to time, company strategy evolves relatively slowly. In any case, it is highly unlikely that the entire senior management needs replacing at the same time as the boss. But when a government is voted out, it can leave investors to engage on policies and with personnel that have changed overnight. Another difference is that corporate bonds also typically come with covenants, 
a legal contract to protect both parties. Bond covenants often help investors by limiting the amount of debt a company can issue in the future. But they can also be used to compel companies to embrace better governance and reporting standards. Sovereign bonds come with no such legally binding agreements. In any case, there are moral implications of strict covenants. A government obliged to differ from its election promises to honour bond covenants agreed with its predecessor would make many parties uneasy, no matter how virtuous the intentions. Sovereign engagement can be beneficial to both sides. This long list of challenges involved might put many investors off engaging with sovereigns. But this would be a mistake. Raising standards, especially around governance, can boost macroeconomic growth, improving living standards, increasing expected tax receipts and lowering the probability that a country will be unable to honour its debt obligations. This reduction of sovereign default risk not only increases returns for existing bondholders, but also reduces the cost of borrowing in the future, giving governments more opportunities to finance growth-friendly policies in a positive feedback loop. It is in the interests of both governments and their investors to take sustainable growth policies seriously. Governance for growth. Governance is the sustainable issue with the biggest influence on economic growth and therefore sovereign bonds. For example, reducing the level of bribery and corruption opens up markets to new investors and reduces the cost of doing business for private companies, boosting growth throughout the economy. Governance also covers more mundane topics such as data transparency, but even that can significantly reduce the perceived risk of sovereign bonds, according to a recent IMF paper. And by adopting the IMF's data standards initiatives, emerging markets could reduce their sovereign bond spreads by 15% in a year. A good example of the positive reinforcement cycle of better governance leading to higher economic growth and then on to cheaper financing is Georgia. The real economic output of Georgia has increased by around 5% every year for the past decade. This is impressive for any country in the post-financial crisis era, but for an emerging economy walled in by the Caucasus Mountains, bereft of natural resources and one-fifth occupied by the Russian military, it is remarkable. A significant proportion of that economic growth is down to the government's business-friendly policies and focus on climbing the World Bank's doing business rankings, a composite measure that includes metrics such as the ease of starting a business, registering property, enforcing contracts and getting credit. For instance, the government has established sophisticated centralised investor relations departments which help foreign investors find fast and pragmatic solutions to their queries. Georgia now sits in sixth place in the rankings, just ahead of Norway, the US and the UK, and well ahead of Germany and Japan, languishing in 26th and 39th place respectively. We found that engaging with Georgia's top policymakers was a crucial step in assessing the sovereign bonds. Our analyst met with the Prime Minister and his key advisers to probe the resilience of the government's agenda and judge how committed it was to its strategy. It was also an opportunity to give the government an investor perspective so they could make more informed decisions. Before we invested, we also spoke with sovereign-related corporations in financial services, energy and transportation to get a sense of whether the policies were making a difference to the business environment of key industries. 
we continue to follow up with policymakers in Georgia and elsewhere to cultivate dialogue and encourage a transparent and rule-based business climate. Social and environmental factors. Aside from the obvious benefits to well-being, there is less evidence that improvements in social and environmental conditions have such a strong correlation with economic growth. But there is no question that they can harm growth prospects if governments ignore them. Investors often engage on these topics if it becomes apparent that they threaten stability. For example, the mismanagement of natural resource extraction and the resulting environmental devastation in the Niger Delta has been a major source of social grievance in Nigeria for some time. The gravity of the situation and the apparent lack of action by policymakers has incited pipeline vandalism by locals, in part to raise awareness and force the government into action. While hydrocarbon extraction represents only around 10% of Nigeria's GDP, it accounts for nearly two-thirds of all government revenue. Dissident action that threatens this has significant implications for both economic growth and sovereign default risk. Social indicators, too, can prove a risk to an economy. Injustice or the treatment of ethnic minorities can lead to unrest that can impact growth. For example, despite the near disappearance of ISIS in Iraq, substantial progress is needed to heal the divisions in society for the economy to grow and realise the full potential of the country's natural resources. Not all investors have the risk tolerance needed to hold such sovereign debt, which greatly limits the government's access to funding to invest in development. Framework to investigate sustainability in sovereigns. Each country is unique, but there are some common steps that investors can follow to help them make more informed judgments about sovereign bonds. The starting point is analysing the data. The World Bank, IMF and other supranatural organisations produce statistics which act as a benchmark when analysing a specific country. The data tends to be stronger for governance-related factors, so for environmental and social issues it's often best to supplement with case studies. The next step is evidence gathering. Each country has its own history and culture requiring a flexible and responsive approach. It's often best to concentrate efforts on the weakest aspects of a country's business structure because that is where the marginal gains are most likely to be made. For South Africa, this includes its labour unions, for Kazakhstan, the independence of courts to enforce property rights, and for Angola, corruption. Sources that can help with collecting information about a country's fault lines include think tanks, journalists and opposition political parties. Then on to active engagement. Creating a dialogue with key policymakers helps to understand the long-term goals and commitment of a country's leaders. In many cases, it's best to engage with the most influential members of the government, especially those who have broad mandates, rather than specific departments such as the Finance Ministry or Central Bank, which are limited in their scope. The next step is modelling, analysis and the investment recommendation. Sustainability factors can make a difference in the final investment recommendation. In particular, a country with an improving sustainability profile, which the broader market has not yet spotted, can offer a mispricing opportunity that can generate alpha. And then finally, the follow-up. As investors, we want to see governments implementing positive business policies and not drift from their stated objectives. There should be steady progress and any stalling should be examined. 
Engaging with policymakers is ideally a long-term endeavour with consistent contact to allow a mutually beneficial relationship to develop. The rewards are there for both sovereigns and investors. Sustainability is a broad and complex topic and it would be wrong to assume that there is or ever will be a widely accepted set of boxes for sovereign engagement that investors can simply tick off. Engagement is difficult to assess and the ambiguous, changing and unique circumstances of each country mean that it will always be a challenge. But sovereign engagement can be rewarding for both issuers and investors despite the complexities involved. It's true that sustainable issues can pose risks for governments, but they also present a huge opportunity for long-term growth, cheaper financing and higher living standards for citizens. For investors, to gain the influence needed to encourage change, it could take something asset managers might regard as radical, but that a five-year-old would intrinsically understand. They might have to work together. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.